is caught. It's history. A Cardinals four-game sweep of the Cubs at Wrigley for the first time since 1921. St. Louis back in the postseason. First time since 2015. A Wrigley Field massacre. And how sweet it is. And Bader launches one out to deep left. And the big match win, and he hit the painting. He hit the painting for Fredburn. You've got to be kidding me. Hi, this is Ben Cerruti, back with another episode of Conversations with Cerruti. This time, I not only have on one guest, but I've got three. Uh, coming back for a second time is Corey Sanzone. Joining us for the first time are Birds on the Black, uh, fellow Birds on the Black writer, Zach Gifford, and from Two Birds on a Bat podcast, Jim Cromer. Uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Corey, you want to tell everybody first where they can find you, then Jim, then Zach? Yep. Um... As we stated last time, uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at S A N three Z O N E. You can find me on Twitter. Well, my 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 handle is at jcromer four, but nobody really gives two shits about me. So you can find the real stuff at at Birds on a Bat Show. Um, and I appreciate you having me. I, I love. I I reference you quite. I reference Zach as well on the show. Um, you guys seem to come out with some intriguing things for a guy like me to get smarter so uh definitely thanks for having me yeah and then i'm uh at zj gifford on twitter and with with ben obviously over um, at birds on the black as well all right so today's episode we're just going to discuss a few scenarios that i think would really really help out the st louis cardinals this year these are all things that uh i would maybe not consider very likely to happen but also ones that i wouldn't put out of the realm of possibility um we're going to take the four scenarios one by one and then at the end we're going to talk about which one we think would most help out the cardinals in 2021. so with all these scenarios i want you guys to assume that uh, everybody kind of plays as projected. Now, it, obviously, the projection systems have some people doing wildly different things. Um, so just think about what you think that they that their final stat lines on the year should be. Everybody's hitting theirs except for this one person or this group of people in one of the scenarios. So in the first scenario, let's talk about what would it look like for the Cardinals if Matt Carpenter absolutely rakes in spring training and earns some playing time to start the year and ends up finishing just shy of that automatic option kicking in. So around 500 plate appearances, but he's actually getting on base at a 360 clip and he's OPSing 800. Uh, starting with you, Corey, what would that do for this Cardinals offense? Um, I guess it depends on who he's playing over. Uh if he's doing that playing second base over Tommy Edmond, that's fine. If he's doing that playing third base because Arenado got hurt and missed the season, that's a disaster. So, or, or you know, if, if the DH comes into play, then great. But if he's doing this at the expense of another player that we need playing, that's not, that's not beneficial. If it's an, in addition, if the DH comes around and 
he's your DH and he puts that up, well, that's the bat we need for that. Your phrase, the top five bat, that's a top five bat that we need. So I, I guess it just depends on the scenario. All right, Jim, what's your take? Well, for him to be, uh, I guess, helpful to the Cardinals, if that's the way you want to look at it, obviously, you know, the 360 on base is a big deal. I'd like to see the OPS a little higher and the slugging a little higher because I think in the end, you know, if we could get him, I mean, let's be frank, if we could get, you know, 25 home runs, 20 to 25 home runs out of Matt Carpenter, I would say we got a pretty good season out of Matt Carpenter. And the Cardinals, I think, could use the left-handed power. That being said, I'm going to agree with Corey. If he does play and it's not in a DH position, he's going to be playing over somebody, anybody, that is defensively better than he is to some degree. Um, I'm on record as thinking second base is an extremely overrated position defensively, just like left field. So it won't be the end of the world to me if he plays second and Tommy Edmond is forced to play left field. But it would be on the premise that he's hitting and deserves to be in the starting lineup. Um, you know, I, I know we all cry for Colton Wong, and I like Colton Wong. I grew to really like Colton Wong, but you don't have to be a gold glove second baseman. I mean, Mike Moustakis plays second base, for Christ's sake. Um, so uh, with the shift, with the way they pitch into shifts, with everything – it's a luxury that is nice to have, but it's, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not going to cry into the night over it. Yeah. I think I didn't think about this before, but when you mentioned Edmund going into left field, I think that's really the only scenario I see where there's like any playing time really available for him. So, you know, for me, I guess, you know, if you can stick him at second because he's hitting well enough to stay there, you can move Edmund. I, you know, I don't have a lot of faith in, you know, Tyler O'Neill or Williams or Dean or Thomas or really anybody in the outfield. Um, so, like, I, I think, you know, Edmund seemed like he was capable out there, which is nice. Um, so maybe that becomes realistic. I just, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if, it, if he's hitting well, he's he's good he's useful to the team at least, which is better than what he has been the last year or two. Um, I think that getting to that line though, I, I think is like a, I don't think it happens. That seems yeah, like another question, right, Ben? I'm kind of with the three on this one, but uh, it, it would come at the, the expense of something, whether that's defense, whether that's uh, somebody else getting injured. Um, but uh, in the ideal scenario, like we are saying that everybody's kind of hitting where you think, then, yeah, maybe it is Edmund goes to left. Maybe it is that uh, Edmund actually gets to play 20 or 30 games at short, letting Paul DeYoung rest so he can do what he does uh, well when he does it well. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I believe it would be a huge coup for the top of the order, I guess, because I don't know that the Cardinals really have a leadoff hitter right now. Um, and so – uh, that, that was one scenario that I thought would really be helpful for them. The second scenario I thought that would really be helpful for the Cardinals would be what if Carlos Martinez absolutely comes into spring training and earns that starting pitching role and then earns 25 or more starts this year. So he's not given these. Um, it's not one of those 
St. Louis Cardinals uh, spring training gimmicks where they're saying, you know, these eight are fighting for five spots and then they just give it to the five incumbents anyway. Um, but for this, I kind of mean more he's pitching like he was from 2015 to July of 2018, that kind of aggregate guy where he's going six innings and allowing two runs an outing basically on average. If he can pitch like that for 25 or more starts, what does that do for the Cardinals? And we'll go opposite order this time. So Zach first, then flip over to Jim, then Corey. Yeah. Um, so this, I actually, I think there is a chance that he could get back to that form here. So that's again, another, another question, but assuming he can get there, um, I mean, it solidifies a big question to me for like one of the bigger questions really the team has, I think, left. Um, you know, offensively, they've obviously made a decision that they're going to try to be a defensive team or position player wise. Um, but the the pitching rotation, especially the starting pitching, is a huge question mark. So you have Michael is coming back from injury. I think Dakota Hudson is he out for the whole season? I think. Yes. Um, yes. Wainwright's got another year on him, like. Yeah, he was good last year, but how how long can he keep doing that? Like he, you know, he wasn't this good four years ago. It's just kind of all of a sudden he sort of revived himself. But at what point does that get figured out? Um, I don't want to have to rely on like Johan Oviedo or Libertor coming up halfway through the season, or I don't know who who are the other options. Like Game, Woodford. I don't think can start anymore. Like he's been a reliever for long enough that I think that's that ship sailed. Um, and so like, once you get past for me, once you get past the top couple guys, like there's a huge, just and Ben, I know you disagree on this, but I think there's a huge cliff between like, I don't know if it's two and three or three and four, wherever that is. But at some point there are guys that are going to be throwing innings who, at least in my mind, probably shouldn't be throwing innings on a good team. Um, and so if Carlos Martinez can give you 25 starts of good pitching, that just, I mean, that takes something that's a huge weakness and it just pushes it, you know, kind of hides it behind the curtain. Gotcha. Jim, you ready for this one or should I go to Corey? No, 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 I'm fine. Um, So um, here's what I would say. Uh, What will make Carlos Martinez good? I mean, does does he need to have 99 in his back pocket as a starter? Does the slider need to be working to his off speed break? Like, what needs to be working? What is more realistic for a guy that's kind of had his issues? I mean, I don't know how realistic it is for him to have 9,901 in his back pocket. I don't know the answer to that question. I think Yachty would be a, would, would be able to tell you how it looked, right? Now, let, let's temper that down by where we were at. Okay, we weren't in the big leagues. But if he's healthy, isn't that the main thing for him? We can talk about the immaturity. We can talk about him being a kid. We can talk about all that. A knucklehead. Whatever you want. I don't care. You can call him whatever you want. The bottom line is, is he good enough? And if he is good enough, I'm like, I'm with Zach. Like, I don't think we have this overabundance of great starters that everybody seems to be alluding to. Like, somebody has to cue me in on this, how we've got this great starting rotation. Like, I'm not, like, butthurt over our starting rotation. I'll take it. But, like, Carlos Martinez being good would be a huge thing for the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, like, I can't even, like, he, like a couple of years ago, I think Matt Carpenter was, and Matt Carpenter and Paul DeYoung for me the last few years have been the back and forth. Who's the one player that if they were really good this year would make a big, big 
impact on the Cardinals. Well, let me tell you, the guy for me this year, if Carlos Martinez is just good, he doesn't even have to be great. If he's just good, that will be a huge, huge thing for the St. Louis Cardinals. Can it happen? I don't know. I mean, can birds fly out of my ass? I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. <laughs> I just got to laugh at that comment for a second. Um, I, no, I agree. I agree in all, in all regards. Um, honestly, I think with when you talk about Carlos Martinez, I think for a while there was always that debate, is he an ace, is he not an ace? Is it, I, that term sometimes it gets thrown around a little bit, but I think part of the issue was is we were had expectations of what he was supposed to be during his, you know, prime of what was it 15 to 18 um and 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 i think a lot of people expected him to live up to something like that and he did in some regards and didn't in others if we can get that out of him again as essentially your third fourth starter that's phenomenal i mean you're you're getting a top of the rotation arm when you're not really expecting anything do i think that can happen i don't know i think like like what jim said health is a massive issue with him and has been forever. Um, but I feel like when he goes out there and he doesn't look like he has it that day, it's not as big of a deal when he, we're not talking about him being the guy on your rotation. When, when he's just the third or fourth starter, if he has a bad day, Hey, you know, he's a third or fourth starter. He doesn't look like he's, you know, as focused as he needs to be, or, you know, he has a rough here or there. It's not all the pressures on him to be the stud. So if you can get what you said out of them, that's amazing. Thank you, God, for that, because that's the boon that the rotation would need. All right. Um, I love where your guys' heads are at so far, and we're only two two out of four of the way through so far. So with scenario three, I think, is probably the most likely of these scenarios to happen. Um, I personally always get worried when – Pitchers are coming back from injury. You guys already mentioned Miles Michael is coming back from injury. Um, I think expecting him to be 2018 Miles Michaelis is likely never going to happen again, whether he is completely healthy or not. Um, but expecting some sort of blend between 2018 and 2019 Michaelis, probably okay. The guy I want to talk about, though, is what if Jordan Hicks comes back completely healthy in 1920 and tw- uh, in 2021? He builds on his strides from 2018 and 2019 to absolutely be the guy in the pen in 2021. So you can't see me doing the air quotes because this is a podcast, but the guy he is just an absolutely phenomenal closer. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys who he gives you 40 to 50 saves with maybe blowing five or less. Um, if he can be that guy a year coming off of Tommy John, or I guess two years later because he didn't pitch in 2020 due to opting out, what does that do for this team? Uh, Jim, go for it. Well, um, so when you start talking about pitchers coming back from Tommy John surgery, I think it's, you know, I, if you want to use the term, I, 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 I'm careful when I'm talking to you and Zach, especially when you start using terms like documented. But I do believe that it, it, it's shown that the first thing that happens is they sometimes will struggle with command, right? And then you baby them a little bit, especially if they're younger guys that you're in control of. So 
you see that a lot. We're seeing a lot of baby talk, right, about this year after last year. Who's going to pitch over 200 innings? Not very many guys. So the one thing that you can do, which is a blessing, really, in this whole scenario is what? He's a closer, right? You can control his innings just by simply being who he is. Now, you can't bring him into games if he has no control. My, my hope is, is that in a normal scenario, I think we all know, he would have came back at the end of last year. But since with him opting out, does that change things? Because now he's a whole other year. You know, it's not a full year, but that much more time removed. I think that's a big deal for both the health and the bounce back ability. But, I mean, these guys are like, when you see, and I get to see it, I'm very fortunate. When you get to see what these guys are doing, on a daily basis at places like we have here in Missouri and, you know, like the drive line they have out on the West coast. I mean, there's, these are all over the place, right? But we have a really good one right here in Missouri and premier pitching. You can go over there at any time and see major league guys in there. And the stuff that they're doing is to their bodies. Right. So, I mean, Jordan Hicks is one of these guys, right? Like we know what he's doing in the off season. As long as the arms healthy, like, I, like, I don't know why you would expect much less from Is there 105 in there? Again, I, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, I, I remember David Price one time saying at a luncheon I was at, my name is David Price and I throw hard. And I throw hard because I throw hard. So, you know, Jordan Hicks throws the ball really hard and it has movement on it. You know, I don't expect to see him coming out and all of a sudden it's like, man, he's only 94, 95. What are we going to do? You know, I, again, it, it's just another guy that I think you're going to see Mike Schilt to the world and other guys all say the right things. But if you think for one minute there's not one guy over there that doesn't think and hope that Jordan Hicks will be pitching in the ninth inning, I would have to call him liars. All right. Corey, what do you got? Um, I think from all the scenarios, I mean, I, I think I agree with Jim. I think Hicks is going to come back and be fine. And he, he got extended time with this, like with opting out last season. So the health, I think, is going to be there. The command, you know, I mean – Yes, overall, I would say that guys have command issues after Tommy John, but this is an extended time period. Who knows to say what his his command was never overly precise in the first place. So who knows what we're going to get in that regard. But yeah, if he comes out and he's around the strike zone, honestly, we've seen all he needs to be is around the strike zone for guys to swing at him. I mean, that's how hard and how devastating his stuff is. But I think from a need of this team I don't think he needs to come back and be the stud at the end of the game I mean Gallegos has been great potentially you're gonna have Alex whoever I think between Alex Reyes and Carlos Martinez ends up not in the rotation ends up in the back end of the bullpen I mean the bullpen is gonna be a strength of this team and adding Hicks into that is great it makes it even more of a strength but I don't think it's as much of a linchpin that we need some of these other things to be all right, Zach, before I add on to any of these. Yeah, I think um, with the command is the command issue is probably the biggest thing for me. Um, Trevor Rosenthal is probably a good cautionary tale. Um, I think I like Hicks Ross stuff better than Rosenthal's just because the sinker moves the way it does. Um, but I, I think that's going to be the big question is can you find, can you find enough with the plate? Now, if you, again, if he can, you know, that probably puts Reyes or Martinez, you know, whichever one's not starting into more of a kind of set up fireman role. Um, and I think that would be um, 
I think that would be a big deal because I, I do think like Gallegos has been really good. I don't know. Like relievers are so fluky year to year. He showed some signs at the end of last year that he just started to get hit a little bit and it was over just a handful of games. But like, as we've seen, like relievers can just lose it kind of at any time. So having like a second guy available to be the fireman is I think would be huge. And that's, that really only happens. I think if Hicks is good enough to close games and you can put Reyes or Martinez, whichever one kind of in the Gallegos role, if Gallegos ever sort of fails. Um, And obviously too, like, to the extent you have two big games in a row, Gallegos doesn't have to necessarily go into high leverage situations two days in a row. I mean, anytime you're making, you know, important pitches, it takes more out of you. Um, Relievers get worse the more days they pitch in a row. um, So it helped that. Um, I think that's probably the way I view it. it, Obviously like the the bullpen should be a strength, but adding high end depth to that is having, having two to three guys that can, you know, could be the best reliever on any team would be huge. Yeah, it never hurts, right? Okay, so the way I kind of think about this one is you build a you build a pitching staff from the front end and the back end and let the middle sort itself out. Um, and the Cardinals, I don't know that the Cardinals are going to have guys that, especially in 2021, where they're going to be monitoring, monitoring workload so heavily due to the shortened 2020 that I don't think you're going to have many guys go five, six innings all the time. And so having a bullpen with players like John Gant and Genesis Cabrera and Ryan Helsley and Alex Reyes or Martinez, like you said, Zach, or players of those ilk that can give you two plus innings and outing uh, if they need to every three to four days, that if the back end of your bullpen is solidified by a Gallegos, by a Hicks being just absolutely nails. It allows those guys to be freed up to pitch those two inning outings when they're needed. And I think this team's going to need a lot of that. So the more sure the back end is, the more sure everything else is going to go. Um, the last scenario today that I want to talk about is the outfield. Um, I think that's kind of the topic du jour. Uh, the topic of the last few years, even. Um, From 2016 to 2020, the St. Louis Cardinals collective outfields have chronologically OPS figures of 784 back in 2016, up to 818, and then down to 744, 748, and then a 662 last year. My fourth scenario involves our outfield production in 2021 being a 775 OPS. For reference, uh, the league average OPS in 2019 was 777. League average for the last five years, uh, the next best was 768. So basically, this would be about a league average outfield. Um, That's why I picked the number 775. If I told you the Cardinals could take a 775 OPS from their outfield this year, um, what's the impact on the roster? Zach, uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Whoever wants. Um, when I read that the first time, my first thought is if the if the Cardinals collectively do that as an outfield, Harrison Bader is probably like a down ballot MVP candidate. Um, just <laughs> because, like, the defense is going to be there, but I, you know, in order to, I mean, I I think like he himself could get there. You know, last year, and I've 
it was because of one game at the end, but last year he was actually an above average hitter. So, you know, he can obviously get there. Um, it takes a lot of things to go right, but he can, you know, he's shown in two seasons or two partial seasons, I guess that he can get there himself. Um, Carlson, you know, I don't know that I'm super high on what he's going to do right away, but you're talking getting to league average or outfield average. That's probably, it's, you know, there, but my thing is like that last outfield spot is like, who's it going to be? You're looking at Tyler O'Neill. There's no way. I don't think he's coming close to a seven seventy five himself. Um, Tommy Edmonds also not going to be up that high. Uh, Williams, Dean Thomas. I, I don't, you know, I think you'll be lucky if two of those three crack 700. Um, so for me, like, I mean, it, legitimately if the outfield does looks collectively like that i think it means that harrison bader's probably like got an 825 ops and with his defense and that offense that should probably get him mvp votes all right i like that take jim you look ready to talk yeah take the advantage of uh not having somebody in my face here for a minute um so for me um I would say this. I, I love the league average stuff because it always makes me say, do you really want to be 15th in anything? I mean, so I would hope we'd be better. Um, how do we get better? I don't know. I'm, I think I'm the only guy in St. Louis that doesn't think Dylan Carlson's a superstar or going to be one. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, Harrison Bader is just a nice – I mean, he's – I mean, I, I could compare him to other defensive first what I would call semi-light hitting outfielders. I'm, I'm on record. This guy needs a, a swing overhaul. He needs to go to one of these gurus in the offseason and come back and look completely different, but he doesn't seem to want to do that. I mean, that's his words, not mine. Um, you know, I'm not a big – like, if I was – I had said it before. If I'm going to play one guy, I'm going to put a guy out there that if he can do what he's supposed to do, it's in a damaging role. If Tyler O'Neill does what he's supposed to do, it would be damaging because, you know, we, we, we've seen that part of this game. Is it good enough? I don't know. Can he do it? Again, this is all, you know, you guys are now getting into the crux of why when you listen to birds on the bat, which I don't, I'm not saying you do, it's always maybe, 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 maybe. Now, I'd say we picked up a player that we're not going to say maybe about all the time now, Nolan Arnato, but I'm still a maybe, maybe, maybe across the outfield, so – um, to Zach's point, if we're doing stuff like that, I mean, we're going to have down ballot guys for, for the Hall of Fame. That's not the Hall of Fame, <laughs> the All Star Game. Let's not get crazy, but I, I don't know. Like I, I don't. I'm just not in the camp of a a low to mid 700 OPS being like something I'm going to jump up and down over. You know, I'm just. You know me, Ben. We've had talks off the air. I mean, if you want to start talking to me about a guy, whether a guy can hit or not, the OPS has for sure got to be over 800, and it better start approaching nine. So, yeah. I, I think the thing with this, though, is the, I think going into this, like if you – if kind of ignoring like the benchmark that was set in the question, going into this season, what would be like the – you what would you expect out of the outfield collectively for OPS? Oh, like, I would think it was like, you know, seven fifteen or so. Like they the the outfield can't hit. Like that's just, you know, the starting point is bad. Right. So from but from going from there to just average is, I mean, that's a big jump for for our outfield at least. Which I think that's the big thing here is like, yeah, it's like you would 
especially in the corners. I think you would rather have guys that can do damage. Um, but relatively speaking, to like step up from having two good hitters in the lineup and then a bunch of, for lack of a better word, kind of crap, um, <laughs> to two hitters plus like at least three that when you put them together, like look like an offense or like look average, like that would be huge. Cause I, I, I think looking at the lineup and sorry to get off, off topic a little bit and also interrupt Corey, um, but looking at the lineup, like you got nothing after, I assume they're going to hit Goldschmidt fourth or Aaron, one of those two Aaron Otto or Goldschmidt is going to be fourth after that. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to have probably five outs in a row. Most nights. Well, is it okay? So let me, hey, Corey. I'm sorry, but I'm. A, I feel like it's a presidential debate, and I need to rebut. <laughs> you're fine. I'm, you're fine. Even, I'm, I'm just listening. But but the funny thing about it is, I actually agree with him 100. Here's my point on it. So yeah, I guess if you're going to say that, so I'm going to say then that we're all assuming that the infield's going to carry the outfield offensively. Now we come back to who is who are some of these guys that can make or break your season? Well, who's the bridge? from the quote-unquote hitters to the not-hitters. It's Paul DeYoung, right? I think, unfortunately, I think he's going to be hitting second. No, I don't think so. I think he ends up fifth. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I I guess they're going to put Carlson at second to – okay. All right, so the lineup makeups a totally different episode. So we can we can we can uh, (laughs) go back to that one. Let's go back to whether or not we'll have an average outfield. (laughs) <laughs> so Corey, what about this 775 OPS out of the outfield? Uh, if if we get that, I'll be happy. Um, because honestly, with the addition of Arenado, hopefully, and I've we've talked about it in the past. I think DeYoung not having to be the guy will help. And health has always been an issue. Not really entirely his fault, but if he can be healthy, he can get some breaks at shortstop with Edmund playing there occasionally. I think DeYoung can actually finally emerge. But when you're talking about the outfield, I agree, Jim. I think Bader needs to go to whoever Colton Wong went to and learn to hit more like a contact hitter than trying to hit 25 bombs. The guy is fast as can be. He doesn't need to hit 20-plus home runs to be an effective center fielder. Um, he, he needs to hit the ball more on a line and more on the ground. I know like that, that goes against a lot of things, but the guy's fast as can be. He needs to hit the ball on the ground. It's like Willie Mays Hayes. Like you owe me 20 push-ups if you hit the ball in the air, you know? Um, and as it goes for the other corner spots, God left field is like a black hole of death over there for just whoever you throw out there. I, I, be- I believe that Carlson will be a very, very good player. I don't know if we're going to see that right off the rip this year. His batted ball skill is really good. He hits the ball very hard. He finds the barrel. I, I think he's going to get there, but I don't know if we can expect that day one going into this season. Um, but if you can take the outfield as an aggregate and get to league average, that's fine with the addition of what the infield can do. All right. So then it all comes down to the final question here then, which was, what was the tw- which is what what the what the Twitter poll was? The Cardinals will be at their best in 2021 if everybody else meets expectations, but one of these scenarios happens. So I'm going to just start with Corey. 
Is it Carp leading off with a 360 on base and 800 OPS? Is it Carlos earning those 25 starts? Is it Hicks solidifying the back end of the bullpen? Or is it the outfield getting a 775 OPS? I'd go with Carlos because they built this team to be pitching and defense. And if there's anything is a little bit of a question, which we haven't really talked about a ton leading into the season, is the rotation. And if he can be that middle guy, that swing guy in the middle of the rotation at three to jump up and be really quite – it lengthens the rotation in that regard because then you're not worried about Michaelis or who you're going to throw in as that fifth starter. He essentially becomes your third starter. I think he is the guy that could take this team and then – build upon the already established strength of pitching and defense. Um, that's how this team is built to win, and even more so now. But then you added a little bit of extra offense in Arenado. So not a little bit. That's a lot of extra offense. But yes. that would play into the strength. Colton 2020 output. Correct. Correct. So you're playing upon the strengths of this team if it's Carlos Martinez. All right. I like it. Jim uh, Carpenter. Carlos Hicks or the outfield? It's definitely Carlos. Um, I mean, again, this is that's not a disrespect to Jordan Hicks. I might I think of all the guys that like like I said, coming back in his role from what he dealt with, I think, and I'm I'm not saying it should be easy, but I just think it's a better situation. And let's face it, if for some reason something goes on there. Hell, we didn't have him last year, right? And other guys stepped up, and we have other guys that throw through a wall or can pitch or whatever. Um, so, again, great. I hope he's great. But if something goes wrong there, I think we can survive that, believe it or not. The Carlos Martinez thing, though, having another starter is, to my, for me, is a big deal. I think the outfield's going to do what it does. Um, I do want to see one of those guys this year, whether it's Carlson, O'Neill, maybe even Bader, whoever it is. Sooner or later, somebody out there has to step up and say, hey, I want to play every day, and I don't want to come out of the lineup and, and do whatever. Or Mozalek has to step up and make a trade at the trade deadline. Well, yeah. I mean, that could happen <laughs> too. But, you know, so for me, like I said, I, the, the biggest thing is Carlos. I mean, I, it, like, again, I, I'm, I mean, I don't think he has to be great. I just think he's got to be good. And if he's good, I think that'll be good enough. All right. Zach? Uh, for me, it's the outfield. Um, I know I just kind of crapped on our pitching earlier, um, <laughs> but I think like uh, kind of assuming that they all hit the projections outside of, um, you know, assuming Martinez hits his actual projection and the guys behind him kind of do the same, I think, you know, as nice as it would be to have that third guy that I think they can kind of scrape by. My thing, my thought with that though is, if the outfield is actually hitting like that, I think this is a top like five or so offense, at least in the National League. And with how they are defensively, I don't know that the pitching needs to necessarily be that good to look good. Um, so, I mean, I, I think this defense is probably probably the best defense, in, you know, at least top couple. Um, and so if you, you know, if all of a sudden you pair that with an offense that's, you know, above average even, I, I think that's a huge, huge boon for the win-loss record. Um, and, and again, I just think that 
like I said earlier, like I think the gap between what I actually expect for the outfield and them actually meeting that projection is massive. Um, and, and for me, that's really what puts it over the top. All right. Um, so Jim, I muted you just because with the background batting noises there, I feel like uh, whoever's hitting the ball that hard needs to just be the left fielder for the Cardinals. Um, <laughs> but... High school kids, let's 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 relax a little. <laughs> All right, fine. Um, so obviously that's where my answer is headed towards. I think it also has to be the outfield along with Zach there. Uh, so we're going to be a split decision. You get to make your own decision if you're listening to this. Um, I, I agree that that with the defense this team has on the infield, if Arnato and Goldie, who we've barely mentioned in the podcast at all, and Edmund and DeYoung are hitting their expectations on the infield, um, you've got the best defensive infield in the game, and you've got probably at least three of your top five hitters in your lineup, maybe four, uh, depending on how Schilt decides to do the lineup. And then if your outfield has a 775 OPS, I mean, that just lengthens the lineup so much in comparison to one starting pitcher in Carlos or one person at the back end of the bullpen. Although I think that obviously either of the two pitchers doing what we talked about in those two scenarios, either of those two pitchers doing that alters the entire uh, rotation and the entire bullpen as well. And so those play a bit more of an effect and obviously getting Carpenter back to what he was between 2013 and 2018 would be huge. I think that with it affecting three of the outfielders and deepening the lineup that much, I think that's where my brain has to go as well. Um, I want to do an extra shout out to these three gentlemen for joining me today. Uh, we literally threw this together in the last three hours or less. And so I appreciate their flexibility and their willingness to hop on. Uh, honestly, I put the Twitter poll up around one and contacted them afterwards because I got such a positive, uh, I don't know, positive outlook after seeing all the comments and all of the uh, people that were taking part. Um, so thank you, gentlemen. Um, I would love to have all three of you back at some point. Uh, Thanks for having everybody. me. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right, for everybody at Birds on the Black, uh, for everybody who has enjoyed this in the past, I appreciate you. And I will hopefully get back to you soon with uh, Kyle Reese. He is the next person I have coming up to talk some prospects with. Uh, until next time, have a great one.